Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Reductibacephalo Podcast. That is, uh, for those of you keeping score, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. I uh, I am here tonight brought to you, as always, by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for, because, of course, we are members of the Dorkening Podcast Network, proud members, I should say. Um, and I'm here with uh, with my buddy 8-Bit Alchemy. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. How's it going? It's going so, pretty good. So we are Nintendo-less tonight, but uh, that's oh. okay, because tonight is a very special episode of The Brig. And we <laughs> we have... You don't have to do the sound effect. I add that. Oh, but I want, I want to. I know you like the sound effect. Mm-hmm. So we're, um, we're here with a very special guest. I am very excited to have this person on the show. She is a dear friend, and she is a novel friend. She is one of the very first... Uh, friends that I personally made on this author journey that I happen to be on way back in probably 2016, I guess. Um, her name is Trisha J. Woldridge, and uh, and she's locked in the dungeon because that's what I do to all my friends. So she's sadly she's she's in the brig, and there's there's sharp edges down there. Trisha, are you okay? I am. If you send some coffee. Uh, we can send some coffee. Okay. Um, send some deadly yeah. grounds coffee. Yeah, yeah, yes. We have um, we have our little uh, Octo friend here, Lambast Boswick. Hey, Lambast. Hey, uh, why don't you why don't you go uh, get Trisha some deadly grounds coffee? Yeah, no, no, the the good stuff. Uh huh. Yeah, the 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 chocolate raspberry. You like chocolate raspberry, I assume, I do. right? Yeah, the yeah, witch's, witch's brew, brew for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Witch's brew. Yep. Uh, he's asking how many uh, how many cubes of sugar, which is ridiculous. We don't even have no. sugar in that unit of measurement in this house. Come on, uh, just just put some. Just some is fine. Yeah. Um, anyway, so sum. hopefully met- metric sum. Hopefully that gets down there. Uh, Trisha, right. you, thank you. <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for 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 having me in the amongst the sharp things. But that's like my house too. I have many sharp things, so. Just like being yeah. at home. That's <laughs> see, that's the thing. We want we strive for a homey atmosphere in the brig. It's and, not uh, all bad. It's not all bad. I mean, where where there's rust, there's probably rust in your house. There's probably iron bars. I mean, I don't know. Is there a skeleton chained to the wall of your bedroom? I mean, who's to say? I mean, that that's some private. Private, private answers. <laughs> yeah, we don't get digging, digging too deep into the into the lives of our brig member here. <laughs> fair enough. It's too early for the for to get so personal. Um, <laughs> so you are uh, an amazing author and poet. 
Um, actually, one of the things that um, I always think about with you that I think really, I don't, I don't know anybody else personally who does this, but you are uh, an epic poet. You have actually composed yeah. epic, literally, not like, you know, everybody, everything's epic because it's the, the adjective of, you know, the decade, decade, but like actual epic poetry, like very long, like long, yeah, yes. long form. Yeah. I, I love long form poetry. I mean, I grew up reading like Beowulf and the Canterbury Tales and the Fairy Queen. And I'm like, we can write stories with poetry. That's awesome. That's mm. really hard. So I'm going to try and do that. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it is. It's actually, it's really hard. Um, but my brain likes really hard, strange things. It rises to challenges like that. So I had a lot of fun doing that. It was, again, they were like things that I grew up with because I went to the library a lot and we didn't have a lot of money. So I just checked out everything in the library and the librarian's like, oh, you can read lots of stuff here. Try all of these. <laughs> have some of this and some of that. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Nice. I, I think that, um, you know, I for many years, 8-Bit and uh, also Nintendo, who's not here tonight, uh, and and myself, we were in a we had a band for years, and uh, I I really really enjoyed writing the lyrics personally, and I think there is that sort of you know, that's it's so similar, like lyrics are yes. basically poetry, and you know there is the music in poetry, and I think really good poetry, you get into that rhythm, and you just naturally totally. start to have like a tune. And um, yes. I, I am fascinated by it. I certainly could never write anything like in the long form uh, like you have. That's for sure. But I did I love it. I bet you could. I bet you could make day. like a kick-ass metal ballad. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could probably do that. Um, Joint project for us. Like kick-ass <laughs> metal ballad. There you go. <laughs> Uh, sounds like a great project maybe five years ago maybe five years ago i sadly sadly i think those days are past trisha but uh that's it's a good idea it's a really good idea time machine properties in this spaceship sadly or you know you write the song and then have someone else do it we just have the rotting skeleton chained to the wall we don't have a time machine we it was one or the other and we we picked that we went that way with it and uh now you know i i don't know what i was thinking but hey so um you you have been in many books, but it's been a little bit of while since you put out a novel, although you did put one out last week. Yes, I did. Very exciting. Yay. I did. So let's name drop that new novel and yes. then we'll and we'll we'll like talk about some of your older stuff and uh briefly and then we'll get dig into it. But that is um Heart Wings and Fire. Yes. This is uh, your book one of your new series, The 27 Kingdoms. Looks yep. really amazing. The cover is amazing. Like, love it. Yeah. 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 So The 27 Kingdoms is, is the universe in the world. Amazon has this wonderful thing where, like, I don't know, like, if when you guys growing up, you know, growing up when we grew up, you had, like, the Forgotten Realms and the mm -hmm. Dragonlands. And then they all had, yep. like, mini sets. So, like, you had Forgotten Realms cleric quintet and all of those books and dragonlance and the twins trilogy and the dragons one so it's actually the specific series which amazon doesn't let us do for some reason we don't know why is the drag is the princess and the dragon and 27 kingdoms is the world 
So there's a princess okay. and there's a dragon, and and those are who are on the cover. <laughs> and together nice. they fight things or try to they... survive in <laughs> most cases. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah. Let's just delve into it. Uh, the, I mean, so the princess and the dragon. So uh, heart, wings, and fire. So what we see here, um, and we can certainly share this cover on the on the group, obviously, um, is it's you have this Asian. Um, mm -hmm. flair here. This is like pure, it looks like pure Asian storytelling, yes. which is really, really cool. And uh, as, as you know, I am very interested in, you know, pushing our genres in different directions and different yeah. cultures and different, mm -hmm. you know, um, all sorts of peoples that we need representation. We need this kind of stuff. This is, you know, fantasy, but it's Asian fantasy. So it's, immediately very interesting to me Yay. um so so what led you to to choose that this whole world everything's going to be very asian very asian inspired uh, mythology yeah. and stuff yes it is so i have um you know, i'm what they call i'm a pantser i've read by the seat of my pants or or the more friendly term is the discovery writer and so my characters tell me what they do <laughs> mm -hmm. And when I started writing this, the voice of it sounded, um, the character's voice just ended up coming to me in this particular culture. I also have probably watched a significant amount of anime and Kung Fu movies and all of the above. Um, I adore them all. I also, so my husband also works in Taiwan um, frequently. And so I also really enjoyed visiting over there. Cool. Um, and so actually Very I pulled cool. a lot from there and and I also am I'm, I'm very much into music so like I pulled up a whole bunch of Taiwanese folk metal which is absolutely awesome highly recommend um see, wait, see, I love wait, wait. It. No, I love, you need I, to name drop right now who, who you yeah listening? I love Crescent that you're Lament. a metalhead Crescent okay. Lament um and then um oh my gosh what was the other one that I have um Nini Music um which is actually electronic um Taiwanese metal uh, I also ended up doing a lot of the different Mongolian throat singing metal bands. So the like Kulu, the Hulu. yeah, yeah, and um, Bart's. I'm gonna totally actually. I have my. I have it. I can probably attempt to say. It. I will probably murder it. Um, Bert's dig something. My editor actually is a huge fan of them too. So. Mm -hmm. He and so he's and so we were like you know talking about all of the the things there. Why are you not coming up for me? Um, the one is Tenegar Calvary was one of them. Like I've got my Spotify list on here. Um, Batsorik Vanchig. Nice. So you're writing this Asian-inspired fantasy. Yes. And, and you have the soundtrack of all these, like, you know, Korean yeah. death metal bands. Exactly. <laughs> and then also nuts. A, lot of the, a lot of movie things. So... Like listening to composers, like I've got um, Taro Iwashiro, I've got um, Wei Chin Lin, I've got um, where the of course now I'm moving through them because I also have a lot of others. Tan Dun, who did um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, nice. Um, okay. I also had to throw in some baby metal just because. Right, because. Exactly. Um, I mean, I've got a bunch of other stuff too because I also have a lot of. Um, native music as well because there's uh the fae characters that are in this are a, a native you know 
Um, they live in the jungle. And so I also found some native chants from the native Taiwanese as well as, wow. you know, other ones. So yeah, I had a lot of fun. And then I also have like, you know, straight up metal like Van Canto and Doro and all of that too, because it's me. Doro, <laughs> nice. nice. I love Doro. Any... <laughs> no one ever see... gives Doro recognition. No. Doro Pesh, Doro Pesh, yes. I, I got to see her years ago in concert. She opened up for Ingve Malmstein, who opened up for Ronnie James Dio. And that was- Oh, uh, wow. That was a hell of a right. concert. What a, what, a, what a concert, right? That was yeah, a hell of a concert. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to go to that. Doro was Doro was better than Ingve by a lot, for sure. Um Ingve, <laughs> we just had to get through. But um yeah. but Doro was was really fun. And she did her cover of White Wedding, which is just really nice. fun live. Oh and, my gosh, uh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, I also yeah, yeah, I've put up a whole bunch of like um women-led metal bands as well. So I also uh, end up, you know, I've got some in this moment in there. I've got mm-hmm. um, Nightwish. Oh yes, absolutely. All three singers of Nightwish. Oh yes, um, all great. And I also do a lot of the orchestra stuff. Um, so like they have a bunch of the orchestral versions of the Nightwish songs, and then Ben Canto has some of the. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very um, eclectic playlist. Nice, um, but metal as fuck, which is uh, the important <laughs> thing. Yeah. But. Uh, so so you mentioned that there are fae characters in this world yeah. which i think is very very interesting and i uh, was hoping you were going to bring that up i did i did hear you mention that in, a, in another interview and uh, i think it's very interesting because because th- that's not a an element that's typically present if you know with asian mythology so you mm-hmm. to my knowledge anyway so it right. seems to me like what you've done here is taken parts of different things and truly made something unique which is really the best thing that any author can ever do so again i'm very excited about this book trisha very cool can you talk about the different races yes. that are in this and Absolutely. uh and and like what what readers can expect uh because this is just mm-hmm. would you call this high fantasy yeah. It is definitely high fantasy high, high fantasy. fantasy epic fantasy where we're dealing with gods and gods Am I allowed to drop the F-bomb on your podcast? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. God's absolutely fucking around with all the other races. <laughs> um, and so where, and I use the term fave very generally because I also have a background in um, world mythology. So mm-hmm. the way I use fae is the more general term of the other folk. So, and if you look at many of the spirits, there are still other spirits in Asian mythology. They go by different names. Um, so it's along those lines, but in this case, they are, so I don't have elves and dwarves in here or halflings. Um, all, all of the non-human beings are generally labeled as fae. Okay. And they all vary in appearance. So these ones that are in the jungle are smaller. Um, they have greenish skin, greenish hair. They, they, in my head they're animated by um they belong in like spirited away or you know they're you know okay, that's kind of yeah that yep. level of kind of asian with the general term of fey there so like the spirit creatures in princess mononoke um so they live there they have or a something very... like um would, you, would something like yokai in japanese yes, folklore yeah a lot yeah a lot of different things mm-hmm. are yokai <clears throat> exactly i was have... trying to think of the term yokai and i couldn't 
Oh yeah, so many different types of races and goblins and ghosts right. and and haunted objects and they're all like it's like yeah they're all yokai they're just yes. a blanket term for like other creatures besides you yes. essentially and they live in the forest okay yeah and that's what i was doing with this and i do them in the different terrains so i've got ones that are jungle based um in the other countries i have ones that are you know plains or woodland based i've got an ice group so that there and with the overall cosmology of it is you've got the different generations of deities. So you have the original, the, the elements and magic, and they created the magical beings and um, other creatures. And then they like, let's have children. And that always works well for a cosmic. Right. And so they had what are now known as the ancient gods. And the ancient gods are like, well, let's make mortal children, mortal-ish children. And that's where all the fae beings come from. They were created by the ancient gods. And then they decided to have like their own deity children who, you know, overthrew them. And there were issues because that's what happens when you have deities. And those ones made the humans. <laughs> and so they tried to oust as many of the different fae throughout the world because their gods were like, we want to be the top gods. And if we get rid of their worshipers, we'll get rid of the ancient gods. So that's, that's the basic cosmology of it. And I also have demons in here and the demons are also similar to the yokai except um, spoiler reasons that I can't tell you. Okay, don't tell us. <laughs> but there, there are demons in here as well that are very much water realm based and have a different set of powers. And I also have different types of magic for the different creatures. Oh. So all of that, I, I have way too much research and world building stuff. <laughs> uh, as long as you don't info dump. That's the one rule no. of world building is don't info dump. Make mm -hmm. it organic yes. and everyone will love it. Knowing what I know about you and what I've known about you over the years, it does not surprise me that this is you unfiltered, full tilt boogie, Trisha. Um, the 27 Kingdoms tells me you're going to write at least 27 books. That's what I think. I mean, I think that yeah. this is book one. You're, you're, trying, of to, you're trying to beat the, the wheel of time. Tristan, yeah. So I mean, like, here? yeah. So you got to have like a, a really large pantheon of gods, which yeah. you've clearly done. Um, very interesting. So you have all that stuff and you also have dragons, right? You, you oh, see yes. dragons like they're their own race, right? They are. So dragons were create were one of the magical beings created by the original elements. Um, and they, again, they made the elements decided to have children. They were the ancient gods. And they're like, eh, can, can we like shove out all these other siblings of ours? And so that's why dragons kind of retreated to their own place. They can still kick ass to all the other mortal creatures. Um, but, you know, they just they don't get along because they're deities and they're they don't they don't get along. Um, the, the, yeah. So dragons were hunted obviously and because again they were one of the original creatures very magical and and that is more of the the asian style dragon where they in themselves are very magical very element based very mm -hmm. um wise they don't go around like looking for trouble they just kind of want to do their own dragon thing mm -hmm. and they usually don't fight unless you start encroaching on their places where they're left to you know, try and live in peace. But then, you know, humans come poking around. The Fae don't go poking around. They live in their own realms. Um, but the humans go poking around and they're like, ooh, there's some like stuff here. And the dragons are like, this is our home, go away. And the humans are like, <laughs> we don't care. We're humans. <laughs> and and then problems. We're the, we're, the, we're the dicks. 
of every exactly. story. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, humans kind of are. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. So that's that's really interesting. I love. Uh, I think. I think just the idea of Asian dragons being the dragons in a fantasy world is really really interesting too. Because you know, obviously, everybody loves dragons. They're really cool. They're a staple of fantasy, but they are really overdone. So if you can at least put a different spin on them, like you have, I mean, an, an Eastern dragon is like nothing like a western dragon i mean no. these are not treasure seeking i mean unless you've done that you know no. you're saying you're saying they, they don't want to mess with people so you know no no eastern dragon is gonna like take over the dwarves hall and you know right. under the lonely mountain and like steal the arkenstone i mean it's just he's just, <laughs> he's just not concerned with the with these material things he's uh he's more of a, a benign like you know symbol of like luck and hope and you know all these things like it's just completely different than how the western world views dragons and um and from the from the cover it looks like they don't have wings which is another really cool thing they're just no. it's like we don't oh, we like don't serpents. need yeah we don't need a mechanical reason that they fly they just fly well, they they're can. elemental so they're music he actually and... gets to so the elemental dragons they actually conjure wings so oh, when they ooh, want to fly, cool. they just go let. So the the dragon's name is Holish, and he was given that name. That's his. That's his name that people call him because you know magical creatures also have their own secret names that they only tell for magical reasons. But um, when the when humans period, just get the pen name, pretty much, pretty much. That's so a pretty much the middle name if you're feeling real fancy. Well. Yeah. yeah. When Bria like meets him as a child. Um, when he summons his wings, it's like when you start a big fire, that like that sound of the fire starting that whoosh. And so he can summon wings and then just dismiss them. And he can mm. fly regardless. But when he's doing, and again, I, I also like science. So when he's actually like doing like- <laughs> Science long, is my favorite. <laughs> long distance flying or like speed flying, then he'll like summon his wings because he has more power and movement with those. Nice. But if he's just like wandering through the jungle, but doesn't really want he like, you know, flying through like narrow little things, like then, then he just like, well, screw the wings. I can't go quite as fast, but I can like dodge through a thickly settled jungle. Oh, so he's a, they're able to actually fly without the wings, but yeah. they, that's like their, their, uh, their boost. They can right. exactly. speed mode. It's, you know what it yeah. reminds me of? I'm yeah. sure you've thought about this already. This is the same exact thing as Optimus Prime. Optimus <laughs> Prime. He just yeah. he just summons the trailer out of fucking nowhere. Right, and then when right. he doesn't need it, it's just gone. It's right, just gone. Exactly. And every just other part out. of the truck is is part of his body. He's transformed. It's the yeah. wheels are there, the windshield is there, the front grill is there. The mm -hmm. trailer is fucking nowhere. It's, it's nowhere. It's where the, the trailer go? It's up, hanging out with the Highlander sword. Yes. <laughs> there can be oh, only man. one trailer. But I, but I, no, I really like that the uh, the dragons just can magically summon their wings when they need to. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna have fun with that. And that's where I wanted to play with. It. Like, well, why, why this, that, and the other thing? Mm. Um, I mean, well, you, you you have been the recipient of my editing, and and so I try and pull the same. I'm as tough on myself as I am with other people. I'm like, okay, so I want to do this. Why? I can't just hand wave it. I need to have a reason why. <laughs> right, because even if it's if, if it's magical bullshit, 
if mm-hmm. you're creating the rules for your bullshit, then and you stick to them, it automatically becomes it feels legitimate. Right. It feels like, OK, no, no, this is this is this world. These are the rules. You can do that, but you can't do this other thing because right. you already told us that that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So as long as you stick to your own rules, and I mean, I'm sure you have notes upon notes. I certainly had to. I always, oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, uh, so the, you mentioned, yeah, you, you edited my last novel. You edited Mark of the Witchworm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and, um, and that was my, my version of fantasy and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and stuff. So like, yeah, you were constantly like asking questions of me like you know okay Mm -hmm. i i i don't know why this is happening or there are other times where you're like no you can't do that so even in the world that it's a fantasy world you as the editor were like no no because one of the things that you that i decided was going to be real was the horses so you are an equestrian so you're like okay you physically can't do that you're going to kill the horses you can't gallop down a mountain and gallop back up the mountain so tough shit you can't do it so i i literally had to change the chapter uh and write like a whole thing and and figure out why they were going to stop and and rest the horses and and it's 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 great because i remember you saying you're like okay the the character the main character of the book is from a horse culture so he wouldn't allow that to happen. So you can't do it. That was, that was what actually what you said. You're like, uh, it doesn't make any sense. This character knows better. So this is impossible. That's so a great observation. If, yeah. Yeah. Really, so if, really you, if you're able to have those kind of, you know, that, that anchor in a few different, you know, parts of your story. Right. And you're like, okay, but this is very rational. And this makes sense then the fantastical elements to the story are just um are, you can buy it i think easier and you're mm-hmm. like okay no no that's fine i'm not going to worry about where the wings go or where they come from because you're saying well they can i'm sure you have a limit they probably can't like oh, yeah. spam the wings right they probably exactly can't right right so you probably set that up so it's like a limitation and then mm-hmm. the reader if if you change that you know, later for no reason, just because you need them to, you know, fly down the mountain and then fly up the mountain. I would hope your editor would say the same thing you said to me. Exactly. No, they can't yes. do that. They, they, you can't spam the wings. They gotta, they gotta rest. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's awesome. That does not surprise me about you at all. Um, but uh, it's nice. It's always nice when there's that level of thought put into, um, especially something like fantasy, I think. Yeah. And, and the other part that I got with this, which, um, this is one of the hard times that I had selling it is, okay, so when I was reading fantasy growing up, um, I, so here's the TMI on Trish. <laughs> um, Trish is always lay had it, lay it on menstrual us. issues, right? Okay. And I had to pee all the time. I'm like, when the hell are these characters dealing with this shit? <laughs> right, you're like, I'm over here thinking about when they go to the bathroom. Yes, so I did. I included those challenges because, so I've got this character who, well, she has amnesia. You find that out in the first chapter, not a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, so she doesn't remember anything outside of being a princess. And now all of a sudden she's running away. And and what what's she going to do when she has to deal with the realities of being outside of a palace? And wow. yeah, those are, those are important things for me. And when uh, some of the places I had shopped it was like, 
do, do you need to have the bathroom? Do you need to have the period? Yes, yes, because actually it's plot reasons for it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to at least include that because the when she comes across the jungle fae, um, I, I helped it out and they she came across a hunter and a healer. <laughs> so they were able to like teach her some survival skills, some very, very important survival skills. Um, which also meant I have way too much research on jungle survival and jungle. I watched 10 seasons of naked and afraid. And let me tell you, I am so afraid. I I will never not be naked or afraid ever again. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. Oh, and so I've got my bookmarks on this are insane. Um, so Yeah. That's uh that's wow. really cool though because I mean that makes it like you know that makes it very grounded, very lived in, very real. And like you guys were saying, you know, how there's so much that is uh, like fantasy can sometimes just kind of throw everything to the wind in favor of just like the fantastical, but it's like no, but it's it's the mo- it's like the moments like that that make certain fantasies stand out for me because it's not just anything goes it's like no this this is real this makes it feel way more like a real escape in a real fantasy than other you know certain other things just because you're like okay well it's relatable to some people too it's not Mm -hmm. just like oh yeah you know you walk down the street and there's dragons and and creatures and shit and it's just like isn't this better than real life it's like no they still have to deal with the same annoying shit we do it's just there's also other stuff going on and and you know i think i think that's great you know that's a huge element of like really really great world building sounds like you have a a firm grasp on Oh, for sure. And yeah, I think that um, your readers are going to let you know if you screw up too. And, you know, I think the most famous, uh, the most famous example of that, even though it's not really considered, uh, I think a screw up, but I think it is a screw up because of how many people complain about it, which is, you know, why the hell didn't the Eagles take the hobbits straight to Mount Doom? So, and that, that, yeah, people say that all the time. So, Tolkien shot himself in the foot by coming up with that ending with the Eagles. Now I love the freaking Eagles. I love the Eagles. I love their role in the Hobbit. I love how the Eagle King talks to Gandalf and their old friends and all this stuff, but they are really unconcerned with the world of men. And it really takes a lot of convincing for them to join the battle of the five armies, but that's the Hobbit in the Lord of the Rings. They're just not in it. So it's like, um, you're telling me that like we haven't heard hide no seen seen hide nor hair of these freaking birds since the Hobbit, and they're gonna show up at the end. Now it was an exciting ending, it was an unexpected thing, but it raises that question that you can't get out of your head. You're like, what the fuck, Eagles? Mm, why the, the hell? World. Why the hell didn't you do this? You know, it's just, or it's like uh, you know, weaponizing light speed in in. Uh, the last Jedi you know a lot of people said that too it's like so so it's like you know sometimes you'll do something and it 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 is cool in the moment but Mm -hmm. your your fans are gonna let you know if you screwed up because they they'll just not be able to get over it and uh Mm -hmm. I don't know I think that I think that as much as I love the Eagles that's that's he screwed up he shouldn't have done that they should he should have he could have easily just said like you know they took six months to get back home. I mean, I don't know. Just we just scuttle it. I mean, <laughs> that's what he did in the Hobbit. We didn't yeah. see the journey home. They scuttled right. it. It was just like, oh, and uh, it took like five months. 
right. I took a little thing of treasure. It was no big yeah. deal. And then, and that's one of the, that's actually one of the challenges. Um, cause you, you want those, those fuck yeah moments, right? right? You right. want the cool factor. Um, and it's funny. So, so this book was originally sold as a trilogy. Um, and then I, uh, was, and so the editor, my editor, Rob Howells, awesome guy. Um, he saw where I was rushing it on certain places. Like, well, this would work like this, this, like, no, that, that is totally planned. I had ideas for extra books going in that direction, but we can do it all in this. Um, so it's supposed to be a trilogy. And then I started filling in the second book, which I was going to be a split between the jungle Fay and, uh, Barry and the dragon. Okay. And I did a really cool thing in book one that is spoilerific. <laughs> so we'll just talk about it in vague terms. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Well, the problem is because I did this really cool thing that was spoilerific, um, and I can't explain, that half of book two that was supposed to be the Jungle Fay um, required me to do a whole bunch of research and turned into its own book. So I'm like, Rob, is how bad is it if it's a four book series? And that is why I'm still struggling finishing this one <laughs> um, because I had to make the the fuck yeah cool thing work. <laughs> and the problem is when you have a fuck yeah giant cool thing it affects the world around it. Yep. Cause like they're within a hundred miles of each other. And that's the thing when you do something big with magic and whatever else is involved, like, yeah, it, it, it affects the people around you. <laughs> right. It's not and an isolated event, you know, it has repercussions, other does. things. Yeah, yeah, it shakes up the world. It does. So yeah, so that that required me a whole bunch more extra research and stuff to make this work. And that is why it's now a four book series instead of a three book series. <laughs> the end. Quadrilogy. Yes. <laughs> Nothing not yeah. wrong with that. I mean, I think it's I think it's just great that you are even close to completing the second book in the series when this just came out a week ago. So you've clearly been working nonstop on this mm -hmm. for probably a while. How oh, long yeah. did this book take you to write? Well, I started the original, um, what I submitted, uh, which, so I actually, I got to pitch this. I had, I had a grandmaster plan that I was going to do a big old self-publishing plan and put out a bunch of smaller books and all of that. Um, and it didn't quite work. And also self-publishing is really hard and I don't like it. <laughs> Um, I love that people can do it. I love, I like the talking about my stuff. I don't like the layout and, and all that other stuff, like buying ISBNs and everything like that, all the business aspects of it. Um, so I had tried to pitch it as a single novel, which for fantasy was, it's a reasonable size. Um, and it got like traction, but they're like, uh, oh, we don't know what we're going to do with it. Um, cause it is, it's not very traditional. It's not very, it's again, it's not a Western fantasy, um and while there's a lot of adventure there's a lot of emotional stuff because i think emotions are interesting <laughs> um so there's a lot of internal character growth as opposed to big flashy battles nice um so i sent it and i go to this conference called superstars every uh every year it's a wonderful conference and uh chris kennedy publishing had just started their new fantasy imprint new mythology and i pitched it there um it was like an accidental 
well, no, I, I signed up for a pitch session. Um, and then I also had a deadline for something else. And so I skipped out on a panel. I saw the editor for New Mythology sitting in the lobby. And I'm like, I'm gonna go get a Starbucks. If he's still sitting in the lobby, when I get back and that empty chair is still there, I'm gonna work next to him and say hi. Um, nice. And then we ended up talking about fantasy in general, SCA, and I got nothing done on my other deadline. <laughs> But I ended up <laughs> pitching the entire series and he's like, yeah, no, send it. Um, and he got back to me and he really enjoyed it. Oh, so, wow. That's um, fantastic. Yeah. So it was like one book, but before that I'd worked like several years on it. And I also have other books in the 27 kingdoms world also done. Um, oh, wow. Two of which were started as short stories and were not short stories. Um, <laughs> and that's for an entire, entirely different um, uh, continent. Because the, the overarching story, again, epic fantasy, um, mortal be mortal ish races versus gods versus other things. So all across the world in other continents. And that's the other thing is, so the next, so, you know, very different cultures are gonna be in the other books as well. And they have to join forces eventually. So yeah, a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, wow. Dang. And this is not, a, this is also not a small book. I mean, you know, you called it epic fantasy, uh, 422 pages, very, yep. very respectful in my opinion. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it's not like you know you just wrote this short book and you have all these other ones. So what about the uh, the books that started out as short stories that weren't that short? Are they uh, uh, going to be a similar length or are they more like novellas? Oh wow! No, they're probably because um, I discovered more things, <laughs> 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 and the characters are 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 uppity pains in my bum. Trisha, um, this is so awesome. You, you like you, you're just. You got all these like long form novels just like all right there on the ready to go that on on the on the on the docket. This is just great. This is so cool. I mean, like, so, so happy for you. This yeah. is really great. It's really great. With any luck, they won't first brand new other ones in between like this one did. So yeah. we'll see. You know, because so it's interesting. Um, just. I only go back to to my book because I I need to make a point. Well, it's that, a fantastic so, book too. The, the, it's thank you, but you know I'm not looking for that. But the, what I'm saying is like so that was my that was my big fantasy book. That was over 400 pages, it was the longest mm -hmm. I've written. Um, that did not inspire me to hurry up and keep writing a ton more books that long, like of the series. <laughs> so like I I think it's interesting. I think it's very interesting. I think I'm a weird pain in the ass writer because I, I don't know. I don't really like just doing one, like one world. And I think that's how you kind of find success. A lot of authors I know have found success, success specifically by sticking to, you know, one world and they keep adding to it. And then they just feel like, you know, uh, you can just advertise the hell out of book one and then the rest sells themselves. And it's a really good business plan. It really is. I just suck. But it like to me to like go back and write like four more books 
in the Mark of the Witch World <laughs> world is just not what I want to do. Right. And it's really interesting that clearly this has been like in the works, boiling under the surface, just, you know, for a long, long time with you. And now the floodgates are open. And mm-hmm. and because this is because I've known you for a while. So, y- you know, this is this is new. You're like, oh, I have like five more humongous novels I'm going to write like that are g- almost done. I mean, that's that's really, really cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so you- mean, it's not. Yeah, it's not quite that new. Again, it's like I don't talk about it because it wasn't done yet. So right. I have like a bunch of stuff. So so other I've got other worlds besides this that I'm also working on that hopefully I'll have news about completely unrelated world contemporary wow. fantasy and then you've got you know my children's stuff too that came out which were all worlds and all my short stories and stuff tend to usually those tend to be in like a more modern ish setting mm-hmm. or at least a real world uh our world ish setting or our, our world adjacent yeah. so the worlds all still live in my head and it's not just the the world of the 27 kingdoms and and that can be a lot sometimes <laughs> Just suddenly, suddenly you're going to be, be just prolific as fuck. <laughs> I hope, I hope. Cause I do my general creativity. So I've got, so I've got ADHD. So my brain is always going in a million different directions and I don't, I very, if I'm stuck on writing, if it's, if I get quote unquote writer's block, it's cause it's this particular plot point, not because I don't have any ideas, but because I'm writing a really difficult thing. Like I'm dealing with a lot of emotions with the character or I did something stupid and I need to go back and fix it because I wrote myself into a corner. So those are the places where I get the writer's block. Outside of that, I've got so many ideas. Um, So again, I've got every single continent and country in the 27 kingdoms, all is very, is, is like our world. They're very different. Their cultures are different. The characters are different. Their motivations are different. The particular gods they worship are different. Um, so there's all that. But then again, I also have um, contemporary settings where I work with the myths that we have and play with those, which I have a lot of fun with. Then I also like working with, you know, ghosts and monsters and historical things and, and playing with our fears that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, um, I love that. So that's, that's kind of my problem in like kind of a a nutshell. It's like there, there isn't one type of thing that I want to like, you know, uh, say is going to be my only thing for the next, you know, bunch of years or something like that. It's hard for me to say like, I want to just keep doing this one thing for sure forever. I kind of just, you know, hop around to different ideas and different uh types of stories that i like to try telling Mm -hmm. or whatever but that's that's really interesting but if you you know if you're able to really like put out a lot of words which you clearly are able to do right now like this is this is great like you're just kicking ass so um we talked about you know the writing the 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 different races the dragons their cool wings you mentioned you have all different magic systems and it's Mm -hmm. it's that's interesting to me too. So I would love if you could talk a little bit about that because generally, you know, you have, you have a magic system and that is, <clears throat> that is a, a common question that you get. Like, even as a fan, mm-hmm. if you're recommending fantasy, Oh, what's the magic system like? 
<laughs> well, what's your I magic deal, system? Yeah, like? I deal with magic the way I deal like with religion, um, because you have different levels of faith, you have different levels of um, ability. And I also, again, because I also like science, I try and fit in like a scientific, what is the cost of the magic? So if you're a dragon, you know, one of the original beings created, you have a pretty massive ability to do magic. Um, And the only cost is like for this, for the dragons, the cost is like just their own energy. So if they expend Mm -hmm. a lot of magic, then they get tired, sick, and so on and so forth until they run out. But there are also original beings so they have a massive amount of mm. that big, um, big tank they've got yes. like an escalates tank yes yeah, so it's not like tank. a prius gas tank it's like an escalate or something exactly it's larger is my point right 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 mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so that's like they've got like the, the jet engine they got they got a jet engine tank a jet engine tank yes so so they have that and they don't have to do much of anything they also and again, this is where it kind of filters down to, um, they also have access to the other ones. So if they want to, so they could just think almost like a telepathic, telekinetic, you know, Jean Grey, Dark Phoenix level of, I want this to do that. And I want to do this. And we're just going to totally understand each other in five different languages. Cause I'm thinking it <laughs> and that sort of level. Um, and then, uh, but they can also, increase it or use less of their energy by using the tools like drawing a sigil or drawing something like that so it's less of their actual energy coming in and it's the energy instilled into a sigil um or the energy instilled into stones or um crystals and plants and stuff so they can pull on all of that they can do it also on an elemental level so while my jungle fae have a certain amount of herbology that they can do, um, they actually need to like take a plant, mash it, break it, dry it, whatever you need to do to prepare it um, to be able to use it for magic. The dragon would be like, oh, that, that's, that, that's that plant that deals with pain. I'm going to look at it, steal its pain power and look at you. <laughs> there, transferred in that plant, you know, while some, well, one of the fae will know inherently that this plant does this, but they have to actually change it and manipulate it. Um, And their magic tends to be directly, you know, tied to the earth, tied to the um, things that will actually speak with the plants and fauna to a certain extent and communicate with them. Um, So there's that, but they need the tools to do so. Um, Humans, need more of the sigils they need to you know look at it they need to learn about it they don't have an inherent knowledge that these plants do things they can be taught all of this um they probably have a gas tank that's like the size of a like like a kawasaki motorcycle right. or something it's right very and also about, about and, the size and, of a grapefruit a dirt pretty bike. much yeah so they have to actually fruit. pull it from other things. You can also get better at it with practice. Just like, you know, if you're an athlete and you start practicing hard enough, you can go from like, you know, this length to this length, you know, you can practice and work better with it. Um, but there's still some hard limits on that. Um, and there's the need for the tools and 
So the different ones, basically it's the difference of who's using what for tools to manipulate the energy that connects everything. Does that That's make really sense? That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It levels the playing field for like all your different magical or non-magically inclined beings. It's just that, mm -hmm. you know, it's different how you approach it, how they are able to access it. It's like the, the magical properties and the resource is there. It's just, what's the, what's the, you know, how many barriers are there to extracting that? Right. Depending right. on who they are, you know. And then you also have like, again, growing up on d, &D like the cleric kind of magic is different because that is okay. faith-based and whether or not you've pissed off the gods. <laughs> and, and obviously there are plenty of gods and godlike beings yes to worship you've you've mm -hmm. figured out this massive pantheon multi-tiered multi-faceted pantheon and so like yeah you can you'd be like oh who do you worship oh yeah it's like jeff he's like the he's like <laughs> the god of toothbrushes he's he's in there he's he is in there he's like a third cousin <laughs> of the yes. water guy and uh yeah i brush my teeth yeah. Like 17 times a day. I think I'm wearing the enamel off, but uh my gums hurt a lot. <laughs> but uh, but when I, I'll use the blood from my gums to cast the spell. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> it only works with gum blood. It's very specific. Yes, yes. It has to have a little bit of plaque mixed in there. And that's that's what the magic is. That's the tool. That's really what he wants. That's you're gonna lot. use that. I know you're gonna use that. Gum blood <laughs> is a good idea. No, oh my gosh. Nothing will convince me otherwise. Gum blood. <laughs> okay. Makes okay. very Origin powerful blood. magic. It's all gum blood. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably like command. think of a spell that actually requires like human mouth bacteria, which is why they use the gum blood. I, there I you would go. Think of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've never seen that in fantasy before. So hey. <laughs> If, if we're right. going to be dealing in, dealing with periods outside the uh, the castle life, then then yes. for, you know tooth decay is real too. Right, right. It's a real like problem. That. Maybe yes, there's a is. god of tooth decay, and he just wants he needs he needs the bacteria. There you go. Right. And dragons can't use it because they don't have bacteria because they're so awesome <laughs> that they just they just don't need to brush. They yeah. just. They're, you know, they're they, so they, elevated. They're so elevated that bacterial life cannot grow upon. Cannot them, grow. Can they? Bones. Can they generate <laughs> elemental toothbrushes at will? You know, just like <laughs> they don't need to. They don't yeah. need to. It'd be like you know, uh, like 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 uh, I don't know. So I'm trying to think of a, like a, a bacteria. No, give me well, like. Their saliva well, has like this healing property, <laughs> so their their saliva is basically antiseptic. Okay. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, what if it tried to grow on a diamond? It's it's probably not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. Can yep. can bacteria grow on a diamond? I feel like it couldn't. Not not unless it has so. like a layer of crud on it. See, it's like that. Yep. I, yeah. See, it's kind of like that a little bit, sort of. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Anyway, so tooth decay. But um, you know what? Brush you know teeth, it doesn't. Kids. <laughs> brush your teeth, kids. Tooth decay sucks, but you know it doesn't suck. The reviews that you have for Heart Wings and Fire. 27 kingdoms book one are all you got a perfect score here trisha i'm looking Yay. at a perfect score so you. Yeah, you have uh nothing but five star reviews so far and that is just awesome awesome yeah. awesome stuff very Yay. prestigious so, 
very excited for your new release. This sounds awesome. This has been a really fun talk. And um, I think we've delved into your world without talking about the story, which is, I think, the best possible way to do it because now we've set the the stage. People are hungry now. Right. Yeah. Right. We've set the stage and now people can dive into the actual story of it. And we've spoiled nothing. Correct. Nothing has been spoiled. It's just the world. Good stuff. Um, well, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted to ask the uh, the who's the cover artist to this? Because, man, what what, what an cover amazing cover. Art, yes. Um, I have that saved. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Because um, he is he does a lot of the covers for Chris Kennedy. Um, let's and it's see. Chris Kennedy Publishing. Chris He's Kennedy uh, clearly Publishing. got a heck of a lot of books and a lot of different um, series and, and different genres and stuff like that very cool yeah let's see um where are we because uh, and I, I he has a facebook page um j caleb design oh wow yeah so j caleb design and I was, i'm just like really thrilled with this cover so and he'll be doing the rest of them yeah for the i mean that's so. great. That's 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 what I want. You know, I I yeah. just love it when you have that consistency, uh, that through line of of an artist that just tackles the entire thing. But no, yeah. um, really, really great. And uh, in in you know the the current climate of you know how many books get produced, you tend to have uh, similar kind of looking covers. Um, a lot of, a lot of you know people are going. You know, book designers are going to, you know sites where they can you know use pictures of models and and you kind of see a lot of covers that look kind of samey um this looks this looks very unique it's very different it's very eye-catching yeah Uh, it does not look like every book that's on the shelf at target you don't just have a central figure you know looking at the camera you know you actually have or like an icon you know, just or like an a icon, symbol like a, in the, the, the middle hu- of the a Hunger page. Games sort of a thing, yes, right? That the was Hunger popular Games for a thing while. that they started. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Now this is this is a really really slick looking cover, and it's very cool. So, Heart Wings and Fire is the book, and this is available on Amazon. And you have other books on Amazon as well, and you have yeah. numerous short story collections that you are a part of. Um, <clears throat> I think at least. Are we in one together? We're in, we're in a couple together. Um, so we're, we're in, in you're in more lore from the mythos volume yes. two. Yep. Um, yep. We're also in some of the NHW think, ones. You know, I, I thought we were, and I don't think we are because you're in, so you're in seasons, wicked seasons. I'm in wicked all of witches. the NHW ones. I did not edit. Okay. So I'm in, I'm only in one. I'm in wicked weird. Okay, oh. then I'm in that one with you. Okay, okay, cool. So, but yeah, I've been, been into all the NHW anthologies that I did not edit, and I only edited Wicked Women. Ah, gotcha. So NHW is the New, New England, England Horror, Horror Writers. Yes, yeah. and you have been doing an amazing amount of in-person events this year. You and yes. Scott Goudsward. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You guys have been, like, going nuts. <laughs> we are and having yet- a lot of fun. You, you've been doing uh really trying to grow the NHW this right. year, like big time. And you've mm-hmm. you've had events and stuff like that. Like, do you want yes. do you want to talk about that at all? Sure. Um, so yeah, we have done a bunch of events. Uh we actually have Merrimack Valley Halloween Book Fest coming up this Saturday. Oh, cool. Um 
NHW has a table and a few of the other authors have a table. It's a free event in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Uh, absolutely check it out. Definitely check it out. So we're we're airing this um, kind of as a surprise episode of The Brig on Thursday. So yes, please, if you guys are listening right now and it's Thursday or Friday, Saturday, uh, what's what's the date? Oh, uh, shoot. What's the, the date? 15th? Uh, Hold on. I have um, my calendar. 15th? I think it's the 15th. Yes, it is, is the 15th. The Merrimack, Merrimack Valley Book Festival. Halloween Book Fest. Uh, an awesome event. I wish I could go. I am an, unfortunately, I'm going to be at a different con. Um, no. It stinks. Uh, but yeah, yeah I missed you at Mon- Silver Scream too. Damn it. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so that was a family vacation that I, that I, I also, guess. they're both good excuses, Trisha. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I, I had booked this one before Merrimack had a date, unfortunately, but uh, my wife, Mrs. Parasite is actually going to be volunteering at the Merrimack <laughs> Valley Fest. So you can uh, cool. say hi to her. Um, yeah. I, so, I hope it's an awesome day. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. So if you guys are into, ones. it's it's just at the Haverhill Library, yep. um, public library, uh, check it out. I believe it's free to get in and there's just an amazing amount of um, authors, local authors, and some not local authors. Usually right. Rio, usually Rio yours comes in from yes. England for this. Yep. Um, and Chris Gold, Christopher Golden, um, is, yep. is always there. And, uh, James A. Moore is usually, oh, wow. Charles Rutledge is coming. I that's, so. that's great. I think so. Um, um yeah, cause he's in like Georgia or something, right? Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's, in Georgia. he's South. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a really fun lineup. Um, yeah. So I've got so, that. Yeah. Yeah, check it out, also, everybody. Yeah, I've got. Uh, I will be at Aesop's Fable in Holliston Monday the seventeenth at seven, talking about writing and books and some of my younger titles. Oh, cool. And then, um, oh, cool. oh, yeah. So, and then on a um, Thursday, yeah, I'm trying to look at my calendar. I'm getting old here. Um, which I totally made sure that I smuggled into the break with me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to still be on time to these things after I get released, hopefully. No, you know, that was good thinking. That was just some good thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh by the way, did Lambast come down there with the uh with the coffee or did he yes, did he delicious. make it down there with that? Oh it God. is delicious. That's uh, why deadly... I'm talking so fast now. <laughs> oh, because of all the deadly well grounds coffee, coffee to die yes. for. Yep. Plug plug um, wink wink. Yeah. So Thursday <laughs> Thursday on October 20th, I'll be in the un- an unlikely story in Plainville, Massachusetts. Um, cool. And then the weekend before Halloween, 29th and 30th, Scott Goudsward and I and the New England Horror Writers will have a tent set up in Salem where we're going to be selling books. That's awesome. So awesome. Yeah. So awesome. yeah, it's, it's as a awesome. heck of a schedule you still got. Yeah. yeah. I'm also Gosh, teaching busy days. Some writing classes too with NEHW. Oh my god. So gosh. yeah, I am doing um Chrissy Peterson Schoonover and I are doing some writing classes, uh specifically like deep dive masterclass topics. Um sadly you guys missed the one that happened on Wednesday where I was talking about wordiness, which anyone who knows me will laugh really hard. Um <laughs> wordiness. 
So yeah, so the rough draft of book two is like at 120 some odd thousand. Um, I need to cut obviously, and I'm working on that, which is what's taking so long. And then um, the, and, and as you saw, it's a 422 page novel for Heart, Wings yeah. and Fire. Um, and that's after the cutting happened. But I'm going to be talking about ways that you can cut. And then we've got several other ones coming up. So check out the New England Horror Writers for more details on that or my website. So where can they check out the New England Horror Writers? Do they go to newenglandhorrorwriters.com? Uh, we are working on that right now. We're the best way is to check us out on Facebook, which you can probably follow. Just do a search for New Horror Writers and you can find us yeah. there. You can also check my website, which is a novelfriend.com. Nice. So you're everybody's novel friend. That's, yeah. that's yes. really the truth of it. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, good job. That was that was a that was a successful rundown of a lot of awesome stuff coming up. But Merrimack is in two days, so Merrimack mm-hmm. Valley in Haverhill, Mass, at the Public Library. Go check it out. It's amazing. It's a good time. Um, so we're we've been talking for about an hour, and we usually like to swing things around to a retro topic. And oh, yeah. you chose a retro topic uh, for us for this week. And it is one that we really haven't gotten to talk really about that much. Uh, only one of our hosts really is a uh, is is deft in in the ability to talk about this, is versed in this subject, and and that is a, that is eight bit alchemy. Uh, so so eight bit. I'm just glad you're here for this. So so Trisha, what have you what have you brought for us to to chat about? Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, nice. I love D and D. I discovered it in high school. I was at an overcrowded high school. There was 2,100 people in my high school. So the geeks found each other. Yeah, the geeks found each other and we put together a D&D group. Nice. So that is is how we'd, and then the live, because we also, almost all of us worked in the library, we literally could get our library work done in like record time because we would all show up and do the shelving and organizing. And the librarian would let us go sit in the corner and roll our dice. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's a sweet like, gig. Yeah. I think that's also where I, why I love world building too. Because I mean, I got, when you when you play D&D, you're like all the world building. You learn about the, do- the gods and you learn about like chance and how, what goes into spells. And I've been playing since, I guess like the 2.5 edition when we still had Thacko. <laughs> um no i I literally started playing about a year ago so i feel like steve a little overhyped me uh but yeah i mean i i'm familiar with fifth e and and that's it okay Um, i do i love i do love fifth there's actually a lot of really good world building in the fifth edition which is one of the things i do like about it it's a Um, it's approachable i think yeah uh, more than a lot of the other you know editions have been and i think that uh you know first edition there's still some people out there that keep that alive but you know by and large it's not you know mm. widely widely played still um but but yeah i don't know what's what's uh what's faco explain that Faco is t-h-a c zero it is to hit armor class zero so when oh, you were okay. old school D&D, you wanted an armor class of zero so you actually played it was it, the math was a lot more complicated um, because you needed to figure out, so you roll a D20, a 20 sided die, dodecahedron, and you would actually, um, 
you have an armor class and then you would subtract what your hit is. So if you roll a 17 and you need to hit a particular armor class of like five or something like that, what was the difficulty? You take the difficulty, you subtract that, and then you see what armor class you hit. <laughs> so yeah, there was way more math involved in it. Now it's just like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the higher the number, right. the better it was still. I mean, 20 was still a critical hit. One is still a critical fail. <laughs> and that's, um, that's all you really need to know to play D&D, honestly. Right. The so, higher the number, the better. Um, unless, it, you know, you... But there's also you, soft crits, right? Like if you get a 19 and you have plus two, it doesn't count as a crit, you know? Right. It's like, yeah, technically you rolled a 20, but exactly. it doesn't really count as a crit. So your, D, your dungeon master is not going to be like, oh, all right, yeah, well, you know, you were, you were trying to, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, blow up this wall. And, and instead of blowing up the wall, you like demolish the entire building because you, you crit <laughs> like either critically hit the building with this dynamite or, yeah. or whatever the heck you're doing, you know? And I think that really D and D boils down to two things. It boils down to the people you're playing with and it boils down mm -hmm. to the, the dungeon master and yes. and and not just like is your dungeon master good is your dungeon master bad it's like the creativity of the dungeon master but also like the plasticity of them like how much yes. they're willing to go with what happens versus what they wanted to happen because yeah. most of the time when you're playing a campaign it's like oh yeah yeah most of us you know most folks don't come up with their own campaign you know there are some very talented people out there and they do that and that's amazing but also that there's a lot that goes into that you know most folks are probably looking up a campaign getting a book and you know doing doing something like that but there's still a huge amount of space for creativity right. even if you're just coming off of oh we're playing this campaign and and right. some some dms are really good at being able to kind of navigate that and, and others are more like, oh, uh, you're not doing the thing the way I wanted it to be done. And and like, you know, like D&D &D is fun when it is a, a mental playground, as much as it is also a structured place with rules. You know, like you said, you have to roll a 20 for a critical hit. You know, you have your 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 combat mechanics are all going to be, you know, the same. Those things we don't mess with. It's just all the goofy intricacies of how we use those numbers that make it special. Right, exactly, which is actually why I go in what works with if you love writing, because again, you have these set rules that you need to keep in play. But how can, what's the what is what is this what is that infinite wiggle room space? Because you know, you've got these numbers, and then in between any two numbers, you still have an infinite amount of ability. How can you do that? And that's right. one thing that I do love about DD. I usually play, um, a, either a rogue or a bard character because oh, cool. i like maximum fuckery <laughs> right and bards and bards and roads are max fuckery for sure they are you know and i mean I, my yeah. my fiance usually plays a rogue um and she also has bardy tendencies so yes. like she, she's she enjoys so the very bardy she's yes. like billy she's like billy bardy billy bardy yeah she's very <laughs> she's very much a fan of that uh, whereas yeah. like when I started playing, I was, you know, okay, uh, what characters can do what, what things sound the most interesting to me and then go from there. And so my first campaign that I did, I felt like I, I actually thought too much about 
Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. I, I played it like a video game. I'm like, okay, what moves do I get? Yeah. What mm-hmm. equipment do I get? You know, what do I want to do with it? Right. And ultimately, none of it mattered because we almost never got into any meaningful combat and none of it really pertained to anything. So the second campaign that I did, I spent less time thinking about that and just tried to make a character that was different, like just just mm-hmm. quirky. And I was like, okay, you know, I made a I made a a, a um, a dwarf wizard who's like Ooh. whole family was were like miners, and he just decided that he was sick of being a a, a miner and like you know living underground. So he and grew up and and became legal age. He he just Out of wanted spite. to he wanted to learn magic, <laughs> and it was like I don't know, whatever. It's different, and so he he just did that, and so I you know tried playing that angle, but then it's like okay, well. You also, it, it's like also kind of a masterclass in uh, improv, I yes, think. Like, exactly. like it's, it really yes. is popular amongst people who have improv skills. And, mm-hmm. and right. that is also part of like, oh if, if yeah. you have a good group, that is infinitely more fun. Whereas yeah. sometimes the group that you're with, like there might be one or two people that are into that. And then the rest just kind of want to play it like, you know what I mean? Like they want to yeah. min max it I've or, been, or they're not very, that into it. Yeah. I've been really fortunate in that I'm I'm in the the all the improv peoples, including the DM. So all all my DMs and when I went because I also DM too. Um, the rule is if you can explain how to make the role for it, go for it. Um yeah. so so like if uh, one one of my characters wanted to we were facing a naga and my well, I'm, and I was a rogue kender which which is basically a half thing with ADHD and yeah I know that's what Stephanie has played <laughs> oh I gotta meet her I'm gonna love yes. her yeah oh yeah you guys are like peas in a pot already I could tell yes. you that and so like well I just want to jump on it and slide down its back as a distraction and it's like right. okay well this is <laughs> what you need to do to do that and I'm like okay and I rolled it and I did it and he's like I hate you now I gotta figure out what to do. <laughs> now I gotta figure out what to do. Now see, that is in my opinion the correct way to, yes. to DM. Whereas I've I've encountered that and I've also encountered the you can try and then despite the role that you make, it it still fails. Ah. And 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 that's because like you know the person who was doing it was like, I'm not gonna tell you what you can or can't do because that's too meta, but there are things that just won't work. So, Aww. so it's like, on, in one regard, it's like, I guess I can respect it, but as the player, not knowing those things makes it infinitely less fun rather than just, mm-hmm. Hey, I made a crazy ass role to, to, you know, seduce the dragon, right? Like that's what everyone talks yes. about. Seduce hey, the dragon. And it's like, uh, yeah, no, you shouldn't have been able to do that, but you rolled a 20. So yeah, you seduced the dragon. Yeah. Uh, now what do you want to do? You know what I mean? Like oh. that is the success of D&D. That is where D&D is its strongest. And so the the third campaign that I have started playing um, might meet this month. It's been It's been constantly delayed because of one person or another kind of like forgetting or things getting in the way whatever it's always it's so hard to to all schedule a time together and and have it all work but um that campaign has really just been like true bonkers chaotic fun of like uh yeah we're in a town and we have this thing we're doing and we went you know we explored this dungeon and whatever and, and we're on this mission but then like we went back to town 
and there was like some local hoodlum kids that were swindling people out of money using Beyblades. And so we just decided to, you know, uh, fuck with these kids. Very entertaining to just hear this. I'm just... I'm just yeah. happy to be a fly on this wall. I guess, it's literally yeah. just, it's it's like the perfect instance of, oh, our DM is just looking to create a space for for goofs yeah. and fun. And and as much as, you know, in my head, I would have thought, oh, but that's annoying because like you never get anywhere. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. That's entirely all that matters. <laughs> like You don't oh. actually give a crap about what's happening with. Oh, can I tell you my whatever. favorite story um, when I was Please. a DM with my husband just totally made me throw up my dice and say, I need to go for a walk right now. Shout out to Scotty. <laughs> yes, who's in Taiwan. He'll be listening to us as soon as it goes live. So yeah. we're in college. So first of all, I met my husband after I crashed his Rocky Horror Picture Show party and asked anyone here play D&D. And that is how we met. Boom. And he's like, God damn. <laughs> yes. And so I've been friends. And I actually was just at a wedding for another one of those friends yesterday. Um, and they had one of those like cute little cards that are like, what are the advice that you would do? What's the perfect first date? And I'm like, roll for initiative. <laughs> <laughs> Says it all. <laughs> yes. So um, so we're playing. I'm DMing. My husband's character. My husband's character. It's a chaotic neutral bard who believes he's a god and worships himself. Oh my god, okay. that is he's he's goes just amazing. <laughs> goes by Ash. Goes by yes. Ash. That yeah. I, I'm I I mean I'm picturing Bruce Campbell and I I think that's accurate. I think Bruce that... Campbell in a paper hat cuz his paper hat is Bruce really, Campbell yeah. paper hat. <laughs> now the paper hat is important. The paper hat is important. So, cuz I forgot about it for a second as a DM, you'll see what that matters. <laughs> you forgot so, the hat. We're storming a drow stronghold. We're going, we're, okay. We were supposed to go into a drow stronghold and take a thing. The dwarf in the party, who's not my husband, starts banging on his shield and rolls a really good number and the drow are all deafened. And so they get an attack of opportunity. On a drow stronghold, if you're not familiar with drow, they are the- The dark elves, right? Spider, who worship the spider queen and have a lot of magic and are pretty much badasses of badassery. Famously, you know, Drista Worden, right? Is, is exactly, a of... exactly. So, so fun yeah. facts. So fun facts. Stephanie's uh, grandmother. So her her grandfather's second wife. Yeah. Her nephew is R. A. Salvatore. Awesome. I love him. He's I've met him a couple times. He's great. He's a local, yeah. actually. He's a local. Yeah. He is a local. Yeah. Yeah. He's a lot of fun. So we're storming the drow stronghold because the dwarf decided to start making a bunch of freaking noise. My husband's character, Ash, manages somehow to get up to the high priestess of the drow. I don't even remember how this all happened because, yeah. You know, it's a blur. A lot a lot goes by. It was. It was. <laughs> and so she, like, picks him up because he's also short. So she, like, picks him up and is, like, monologuing to him something. He's like, I rolled a biter on the breast. I'm like, what? <laughs> I rolled to bite her on the breast. Because that's where he was at character height wise. I'm yeah, like, yeah, sure. Fine. Fucking roll. <laughs> and he rolls. A nat fucking 20. He like literally bit her breast off. It's I gone say, Okay, now. fine. R- roll again. Because that's because when you get a crit hit, you get to roll again. To see how much double damage you do. That poor boob. <laughs> He rolled another fucking 20. Oh, no. 
No, he bit right through that thing. Yeah, no. Use use my dice. I hand him my dice. And I'm like, roll the fucking thing again. And he rolls another nat fucking No way. He loaded the dice. He loaded the dice for the booby roll. He did this on purpose. So he bites off the high priestess's breast. And I'm like, I'm with you. And I'm like, I like, cast how do I deal with this? Hands. And he's like, you cast flaming hands? I'm like, yes. I have a paper hat. I use it to set her on fire. I'm like, fuck you all. No. I'm going for a walk. Paper <laughs> hat is important. Oh, like they're like level three characters. They're not even like. Right. That's how they take down the drow stronghold. By deafening them, biting their breasts, and setting them on fire. <laughs> you shouldn't even be able yeah. to bite a breast, let alone bite the breast off. Right. Yeah, yeah. But so you that... did. That is the power of Nat 20s. And also Nat 1s. Nat 1s yes. can really go a lot of ways. Like oh, yeah. a, a, a critical failure can be great. Sometimes it yes. can really it can really work out in your favor. It's just yes. like oh. how you decide to handle like okay what's the ramification of a critical can i tell you my favorite my favorite crit one as a pc yes oh please do your last favorite story was amazing one one was actually just recently at dragon con i got to play a live stream dungeons and dragons with john hartness john scalzi r verdi and like just a bunch of really cool people and so we went up against uh, an octopunk that sounds awesome what is that like this mini legged god type creature, like Cthulhu on acid. An octopunk. Okay. I yeah. mean, it seems like it should be the official Dungeons and Dragons monster of the Redoctus podcast. Should. And and I was a bard, and I was like, you know, finding all the porn books in the Library of Bert, um, which is the brother to the Library of Alexandria. Bert that talks with Southern accent. John Hartness did a fantastic <laughs> job. I tried to seduce. The octopunk. <laughs> and I rolled a nat one. And it turns and... out that the octopunk likes awkward chicks. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was just, and, and that was basically, I got bitch slapped. I got seriously bitch slapped. Oh, you were looking yeah. for the tentacles and it wasn't in that way. You got the sucker. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that, that was fun. And I'm like on stage and I just, and then, in like a really pretty dress and I just like slouch in my just like slide on <laughs> <down> my seat. <laughs> is there is there did they record that? Like is there a video? Yeah, I think that? you can watch it. I think you can watch it on YouTube. That's awesome. Um, so it was Dragon Con uh 2021 live D D. It was awesome. The other favorite one I did wow. was um and this was the DM rolling the GM, the the one, not me. I was, this is my Kendra character again. And he set us up after a cockatrice. Mm. And I'm like, I, I want to make friends with the cockatrice. I give it food. And he's like, fine, roll animal handling. <laughs> that time I got the nat 20. And he's and he like, the DM like gives me this like look. And so he's like, he rolls. And I hear the dry. And then I was like, fucking goddamn motherfucker. <laughs> 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 so for like three games i had a pet cockatrice that i oh, would stick yes. on anything the dm would send at us god it was awesome <laughs> that is so sick yeah that yes. that is 100 percent why D D is amazing 
is, is moments like that. And every single person I have met who likes D&D and fancies themselves a D&D fan has this like quiver of stories that they whip out because they're, they're so memorable and they're so amazing for them. And like, if you really think about it, you're just like, this is just an elaborate rule set for playing pretend. We're just yep. we're just all making shit up here, and right. and it's it's just it's an organized rule set for make believe, and it's like we used to do that all the time <laughs> as kids, but it's yeah. fantastic because people remember this shit forever. It's I think so meaningful. I think you may have just named the episode an okay. organized rules an organized rules set for make believe. There you go. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that also and, works for the novel, too, because, like, my characters do the stupidest fucking things and drive me up the wall. And I literally have, like, these GM moments with my characters, too. <laughs> like, you're doing what now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's like the, the best advice yeah. is, like, if you've played D&D and it didn't work for you and you're in, you're still interested in it, like, mm-hmm. try, try it again. You know, it, yes. it is very much a creature of of environment it is a you know uh your surroundings directly impact your enjoyment of it and it's whether it's the people whether it's the mood you're in whether it's your level of creativity at that time you know i mean i think my first experience with dnd technically was was probably back in middle school but i was playing with a group of friends and like i didn't really know what i was doing and and it just felt like I don't know. It just felt like not the most uh, easy to approach thing. And I was just like, I don't know, maybe this just isn't really for me. Um, and it wasn't until I met, you know, my fiance, Stephanie, and she was really into D&D. And then I, you know, tried a few more games and I'm like, okay, I see the appeal now. Like I, I fully get it. And, and it made me go, okay, I want to, I want to try this out with like a few different groups of people and see what works. And, you know, I feel like at this point now it's like, okay, I I've seen different people's play style. I've, I've also made the observation that having too big of a group is very detrimental. You don't want to have eight or 10 or 12 people trying to all play D and D at the same time, because it just becomes, it becomes a bit of a cluster, right? Like there's too, too many people trying to do everything at the same time. There's a way um, to do that because I've been in a bunch of groups. That was actually my first group. So in high school, again, all the geeks found each other. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so the um, so this is where, where this is where you you break the general rule of D and D, which is never split the party. You fucking split the party like that. You, split, you have to split the party. You split it into like groups of three or four. Right, and then they each have a specific task, and while each one's doing their task, the rest of us go get the snacks. <laughs> right. Yep, and that that one hundred percent would work because you need to have it in these compartments because otherwise you'll have two or three people that are like you know it's it's just it's just the social dynamics of anything, right? It's like there's always people mm-hmm. who talk a little bit more and people who talk a little less and people who are shy and people who are assertive, and then what happens is like if you know depending on who's in the group, you just you have lots of people that don't really get to have much input and, and they just become wallflowers and, and, or they'll, you know, they'll get their turn during combat. And like, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's important to be like, no, you have to be one of the core people because it forces you to take an active role in what's going on, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I think that is why a small group is, is really beneficial, but yeah, D and D great. It, it really it is. is. And there's, and there's so many flavors of it too. Right beyond yes. just D and D, there's a million tabletop right. RPGs. I mean, the Call of mm-hmm. Cthulhu one I've heard is really good. That one's fun. Um, I've done um, I've done Pathfinder, which is like 
D and D open source, basically. Um, I've done some um, like more modern ones where like, you know, the Fey realm is bust into our realm at this time. And you are the secret service agencies who work with issues with the Fey realm. So like basically X-Files with fairy. Um, Mm -hmm. So things like that. I've had a lot of fun with the, the tabletop games. Yep. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. That's good stuff. Various organized rule sets for playing make believe. <laughs> yes, and then then sometimes just like you throw the rules out too. Again, that also depends on the the DM or the GM. Yeah. Like like because it's also the creative combat. Can can you can you give me a good rationalization of why what you want to do works? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, yes, I can. And so long as you get to do that then you know and it also makes it helps to me if the dn if the dm or gm is really elastic and willing to like well let's just take this fuckery as far as it can take let's mm-hmm. see how far goes and i have destroyed worlds accidentally with that too <laughs> um again i tend to play kinder characters and you're just and you're so, just chaotic <laughs> a side yeah. note i am also a destroyer of worlds uh, I, I don't know if i mentioned that but yes my, just slide that CV. slide that under the door you're like yeah uh, yes. also destroyer worlds yeah <laughs> yeah yeah nice well you know um yeah it's just um it's it's been super fun listening to you guys talk about the stuff i i love hearing about D and uh you know i've talked to super ton of people over the years who have played it but i i never had like a a group of friends that really did it we should, and certainly we should put together a one-off <clears throat> and and make you play with us yeah you you can you can pay me with like any sort of food you can lure me there <laughs> okay uh, l- lure me with like a like a really good pierogi you know something <laughs> something something good and greasy hey, patty's pierogies in in uh uh that'll uh, probably work uh maybe something polish that place is uh, like polish food i think it's in new bedford patty's new new bedford new beige uh i went to school down there actually (laughs) oh yeah yeah i went to u.s dartmouth Uh, but yeah oh yeah no shit i went there for my my freshman year um but then i i ended up transferring but i i did go to umass dartmouth and uh i mean a bunch of my friends I, i still have today i met in that mm-hmm. one year of UMass Dartmouth and my my current like D&D group that I'm trying to get together with this month uh is made up of all Dartmouth people that's funny and that's where I met my husband yeah. due to D&D oh, see I didn't meet your husband there so that's interesting oh well yeah I, but, I didn't meet your husband there either but but hey I you know i mean husband. we all have different experiences right that's true that's true that makes life with your husband we have we have we all have our own varied experiences with your husband um some may involve pierogies uh no yes. my only time playing any sort of tabletop game like that like D, i did play one game of vampire the masquerade a million years ago i think i was still in high school maybe um mm-hmm. But I was uh, it was with our, our our dear friend Danielle, who was just on a uh, card game episode. We we did like a oh, cool. poker and you know casino games episode. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, so we it only lasted like two or three rounds, and we net we just fizzled. It's like it just wasn't working out, and I don't know the game. Just I don't know what happened. Um, but we, um, you know, I was I was 
I was all in though. Like I was all in, like I bought the source book for my clan and uh, like, I was, I was like, I bought all these, <clears throat> like I had wicked cool dice I found online. Like they were, nice. they were really, Nothing really like cool. Like dice, like green, mm-hmm. like marbled green with like gold letters. Like it was gold numbers. Mm-hmm. It was really, really cool. And uh, yeah, I was, I was just all in and I don't know. I just, it was just that one time, but um, yeah, it was really just a matter of like, I just did not have, friends that did that so yeah we have to do that too because we also do so that so i scott did dnd and then uh, he actually introduced me to vampire so we actually would go back and forth between white wolf and dnd stuff so so we have all those source books too so 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 what i'm hearing is that if pierogies are there steve (laughs) is going to your house yeah (laughs) I mean, I have had pierogies in your house before. It's it's technically. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's just how it's just how I associate your house. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> good um, times and pierogies. I, I I do have to mention it doesn't really count as D and D, but it makes me think of it. Uh, I've also had a really great time pre-COVID. We were getting together monthly with a uh, similar group of of people, all from Dartmouth, uh, to play Gloomhaven. Oh, that's a fun one. Yes. It's re it's really cool. And, and it, I mean, it's much more structured than something like Dungeons and Dragons, you know, I mean, you know, well, that's arguable, I could say, but Gloomhaven, it's like, okay, you know, you have this subset of characters you can play as Mm -hmm. you have, you know, all these different quests that you go on. uh, But then there's like, you know, you, you have a board and you have a map and, and there's some different morality decisions that you make along the way. And it is a role playing, but it's just more of like a tabletop role playing game than it is, you know, the kind of creative endeavor that something like Vampire or D&D right. is. Um, but I just have yeah. to mention that Gloomhaven is pretty dang awesome. It's a lot of fun. And... It's like a good halfway point <laughs> if you don't want to like do the whole backstory and, right. and have this wide. If you want to like have it contained to a yep. single game for any right if you if you want to bowl with the bumpers on play gloomhaven if you yes. want to be able to roll gutter balls play dnd but i think that <laughs> you know um i think that gloomhaven also is like a lot of setup too uh whereas dnd you kind of just plop down and with your imaginations and your notepad and you're like good to go like you don't need all the stuff whereas gloomhaven has a lot of stuff has a lot of boards and things like that um, but yeah, just just have to shout that out because it, it it is yeah. really cool. One of those. Nice, yeah. cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know we've been chatting here for about an hour and a half, so um, I think that kind of does it. I think I think that Perfect. is uh, that's a brig. Can we let her I out? Think that, I think we can let her coffee? out. So have you finished? Can um, I bring the coffee with me? <clears throat> so what uh, you do? Well, no. See, this is what you have to do. You have to take. The very fancy porcelain cup that Lambas Bostwick brought down. Yeah. You have to throw it with 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 a great reckless haste abandon. and reckless abandon and throw it against the, the, the concrete floor and just shatter it into a million pieces because that is in the true spirit of the break. All right. So let me can finish the that? coffee first. All right. Okay. Oh, I can tell you're really is. enjoying this one. Oh man. <laughs> That was perfect. Thank you there so you much. Thank you for playing along, and uh, I hope you didn't uh, get cut on any of the rusty edges or anything like that. Um, All good. That's good. 
because we do Wonderful. have some uh, backs of tracing down there uh, just in case but uh, we'll let you out so uh, Trisha thank you for coming on the show it's been a, a, a massive pleasure to have you on and uh, it's been thank too you. long and I you know it's just one of those things like you know a lot of I know a lot of authors and a lot of them have been on the show and and then there's like certain people that it's like just fall through the cracks but you you had this great release and it was just perfect and i'm so happy thank that you. Uh, thank you. it all worked I'm out so and, uh, noise over here i just like i don't know yeah yeah so, but thank you so much i was so excited to be on the show and i love hanging out with you guys um thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to tell people about your book and, and to read it myself i am yes, a notoriously absolutely. slow reader so i can't promise you anything but i know plenty of people who are much better readers than absolutely uh, heart wings and fire is the book it's book one of the 27 kingdoms it looks absolutely book one awesome. of 27 of 27 clearly that's what <laughs> that's what you're that's what you're committing to at this point i think that you should um, coin the term instead of short stories you should just coin the term long stories you're like no I, like listen though it's it, they're I short think those stories are just called stories but no because stories? your point is you're like it's a short story they're, they're spin-offs they're short stories but they're, they're they're just actually long though so so like there should just be this dumb redundant term called long stories that <laughs> I feel like you should own now <laughs> i mean again Make my, my so. editor friends would say well that j that's just a trisha story if it's long right, right, yeah. right that's part for the course see yeah. i'm i'm waiting for book uh i'm i'm expecting 23 or 24 books to go by before we see that the the god of tooth decay guy but i'm i'm hoping <laughs> I'm okay. hoping at some All point right. he, he makes it in. So I'll, I'll be okay. I'll be reading for All right. I'm gonna I'll take notes. I will, I will point out which one it is <laughs> and I will I will shout out to you in the acknowledgments of that book. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. Yes, yes, I made it. I finally made it. Um so yeah, everybody, Merrimack Valley Book Fest uh in Haverhill, Massachusetts. It is on Saturday at the Haverhill Public Library, the 15th. If you're listening and today is still Thursday or Friday, you still have time. So please definitely go check out uh, Trisha. She'll be selling copies of this book, correct? Yes. And I actually you have got, a special you got physical that I'm there too. I mean, they can't see it, but I have a chat book that is the folk tales that I wrote Ooh. for this series. Um, tales of the demon wife between. And, and, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's an audio thing, but. Look at cool. Yeah, I That's love awesome. show specials. I love show specials. Yes, it, it's so oh. great. It's like not only do you get to go and meet the author and get get a signature, but like you'll get this little thing that you can mm -hmm. only get there. Promotional um, items. <clears throat> yeah, I noticed that uh, my niece did the cover of it, and it's it's really cool. Very cool. Very cool. I noticed uh, Bracken McLeod uh, is also doing something special, very handmade. Yeah. Eric Nunnally too. Very, cool. very too. cool. Nice. Well, yeah. Of course, those those two are you know ketchup and mustard, so they gotta. Yeah, there's usually yeah. there's usually a lot of us do something special just for Merrimack. So again, if you go, you're gonna get stuff that no one else can get. You gotta go, guys. Gotta Be the go. coolest person that you. Know. If you like to read, if you like books, if you if 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 you happen to know a lot of people who may like books, and you know that gee, you know Christmas is right around the corner. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and 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 Hanukkah and everything. Check it out. Yeah. Check out check check out Merrimack, uh, guys. It's been a real pleasure. This has been a really yes. fun episode. Uh, thank you, Retroids, for sticking with us to the end. I really appreciate it. We all really appreciate it every single time. And um, you know, we have a, a an episode coming up 
that we're pretty excited about. It's in a, about a week and a half, I guess, at this point, but it's, uh, it's going to be continuing the spooky season. Uh, you obviously, if you're listening to this, you definitely heard our episode on cursed films. You had I, uh, to have. Because you had you to definitely have. listen to all of them, don't you? Absolutely. And if you haven't, you definitely should go back to a couple days ago because our episode on cursed films just dropped, and that was a really fun episode to do. And our next one is going to be on glow in the dark toys. You're hearing it here first, so we're uh, we're gonna have some fun with that one as well. So we got some fun stuff coming up. Also, have some uh, some other episodes of the Brig lined up, and uh, hey, uh, we we can drop some we can name drop some guests, can't we? We have uh, lo- more local authors, some main authors. We have author LL Soros and Pete Dudar. They are going to actually be on one episode. They're gonna we're gonna have two guests, and these are uh, both great authors, uh, friends of mine, and we uh, we got them on one episode because they're buddies, and we thought it would be fun and different. And we so thought it would be have, fun to do a people double feature. Yeah, people double double people. Nice. Yeah, we we're gonna do that. And yep. uh, later on, pretty soon, um, we are gonna have the return of one of our favorite guests of all time, Mr. Larry Blamire. Uh, director of The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera is coming back for his second episode. He has something really, really cool to promote, and I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, I hope you are too. And uh, and with that said, we will get out of your hair. Uh, my name is Parasite Steve, uh, a.k.a. Steve Ann Sampson, a.k.a. All Hallows Steve, and sometimes around October, people call me that. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've certainly enjoyed it. Why don't you guys get out of here and, uh, you know, Go, go have some fun. Go do something outside. You've been inside too damn long. All right? Just, just go outside and play. Do something good. Okay. Goodbye. Bye.